Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Today we have another interesting guest. We have Ryan Ward of the Youngstown Phantoms here today. Ryan, how are you doing? Excellent. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. What, what part of the season are you guys in right now? How many games you got left? Yeah, we have uh, 21 games left. Um, and uh, the Eastern Conference in the USHL is quite the dogfight this year. So I'm um, excited about it. We have a good team. We have a young team. And uh, just excited. Uh, we, we've been on the road quite a bit. We have um, 14 of our of our last 21 games here on the, are on home ice. So we're excited about that. Wow. That's awesome. For those of you who don't know, uh, Ryan was just named Clark Cup champion last year with the Youngstown Phantoms. They defeated the Fargo Force. Is that that's how you guys played, correct? Yep, yep. We uh, beat Fargo three nothing in the best of five finals, and uh, your boy Jacob Fowler was a stalwart in that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, it seems like you've been coaching in a bunch of different places. I looked at your profile prior to the to the start of this interview here. Places like the USHL, the OHL, um, and then some various uh, junior teams crying across the country. What kind of – what did you take from all those places and what did you employ at, in uh, Youngstown so far? Yeah, I think for me, um, yeah, I've been very fortunate to work with uh, what I consider some of the best hockey minds um, in the world. You know, I've worked with Sheldon Keefe, Drew Bannister, Mike Sullivan, Mike Babcock, Scott Gordon, uh, Jack Capuano. I mean, the list goes on and um, everyone you kind of you work with, you you take a little bit from. And I think uh you know, you have a way that you want to play the game and, and uh, identity that you want your teams to play with. But I think, uh, you know, everyone I've worked with and, um, you know, all along the way here, the last 16 years um, has contributed to kind of how we play the game. And um, I think that's, a, I, I, like I said before, I'm very fortunate to be able to learn um, some things from those guys and you take what you like from them. And, you put them into your style and your philosophy and you have a, a new philosophy. So I'm a big one plus one is three guy. And um, certainly uh, I've never pretended to, to think that I know it all. And I've, I'm very, very fortunate um, even here in Youngstown, like our staff here in Youngstown is unbelievable. We, we get to learn from each other every day and uh, we're constantly evolving and constantly trying to add layers to our, our game, but it's been uh it's been a good ride here so far and uh, excited to, to keep going. Yeah. One thing I saw on your, on your profile on uh, elite prospects was you started off with the Islanders as a video guy and then you obviously you became a coach. So what did that transition look like for you? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think being a video coach for me has, <clears throat> has been probably the most important thing I've ever done. Um, and I don't think, you know, video coaches don't get a whole lot of credit. Um, but they're they're probably the most integral part of a coaching staff. And um, for a young coach, um, you know, you're constantly analyzing, pre-scouting, watching games, uh, watching your own team. Um, you know, so it's it's one of those things as a young coach, you learn so much just from osmosis of watching. And I mean, there was one point where, I mean, I probably still to this day can tell you pretty much every head coach in the NHL and what their systems are. Um, so it made me a better teacher. Um, 
And I think, uh, you know, everyone's in a rush to get to where they want to go and everyone wants the, the big title and, and all that stuff. But, but being a video coach for me was, was as necessary as anything I've ever done. Um, I absolutely loved it. I got to learn from some great people and um, obviously being in the NHL, um, you know, you respect the game um, and, and you certainly, you know, looking back on those times, realize how fortunate you were um, just to be part of it. And, um, you know, I think for me, as I transitioned to, you know, being on the bench in Sault Ste. Marie, um, it was one of those things where, you know, in my back pocket, I could do things probably a little faster than most people from a, a pre-scout and teaching and presentation standpoint that really helped me connect with the players and um, understand, you know, how they learn and what they need to see. So, um, yeah, it was, it was great. It was, it was, you know, going up the ladder as I have, I, I think is the most important thing. And, um, you know, for me, being able to say you've kind of done it all, I think is, is really important. Yeah. yeah um, oh, sorry. Ben, building. Sorry. sorry. No, no, all good. Uh, the same thing still tough. Um, the um, next thing we were going to talk about, uh, we were going to talk about the Sioux Greyhounds. Uh, you had some heavy hitters on that team or on those teams, uh, Frost, Hayton, Sandine, Timmons. What was it like coaching guys like that that kind of, you know, I'm sure they put work in, but it's almost effortless to watch some of them play. What's that like? And how is that? How does that factor into coaching? Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting. Um, my two years in the Sioux, we had, we had some really good players come through there. And uh, when you're in it, you don't know how that's going to pan out for them. Right. Um, you know, being part of their draft years and things like that. Um, you really don't know how it's going to work out for them. Um, in the moment you see how special they are. And uh, every one of those guys worked immensely hard. I think if there's one, um, you know, common, common theme with all of those players is they worked super hard and you would think that it would come easy to them just because they're so good. But at the end of the day, they're so good because they work so hard. And I think a kid like Barrett Hayton, you know, it's funny, I had him as a 16-year-old in the OHL, and every single day he would knock on my door, hey, Wardle, let's go shoot some pucks. And, <laughs> you know, it, you just you just really respect how tireless they are. And, you know, with all of them, uh, for me as a coach, I think it's really important to make them part of the process. And at the end of the day, they're better hockey players than I certainly ever was and ever will be. Um, and that's not a difficult task, but, um, but for me, like hearing their feedback and listening to Morgan Frost, talk about the power play or Rasmus Sandin, um, talk about what he's seeing on the ice that you learn as much from those guys as a coach as, as probably more than they learn from you. Um, ultimately as a coach, it's our job to uphold your identity and, and hold people accountable and make sure that, uh, the work ethic is there and the, the players have every possible, solution for success um but as far as seeing the game and 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 really you know diving into you know what guys are seeing on the ice you learn so much from guys like that and I look back on those days and um to have that group of players that we had um I probably learned more in those two years than I've learned since and it's just because of uh how great those guys were in their mind yeah one one question I have is have is um did you Correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys lost to Hamilton in the OHL final that year, right? In we did. What did you learn from that experience that you kind of employed in the rest of your journeys? Yeah, I think that that's probably that was one of the most crucial moments of my life 
um, losing. I mean, I, I told our team a few weeks ago, I told the story about that and it's, it's, uh, it's something that you wake up every morning and, and it haunts you. I mean, we, that year we went 55 and seven, I believe throughout the regular season, wire to wire, number one in the CHL. Um, we went on a 23 game winning streak, um, which is insane. Wow. And you lose in the finals and, and it's something that you'll never, it's probably the biggest, the biggest choke job of all time. Um, if we really want to talk about it. Um, and it's just, you know, we, we dealt with some adversity with injuries that we really didn't know how to deal with. Um, and I think from a coach's perspective, you do things that probably change things a little bit and, and, and try to not be so, I guess, drunk on, on your systems and what you do. And, and that's what Hamilton did a really good job of just kind of counteracting what we did really well. And that was possess the puck and make plays. And they just played a real simple game. And I think, uh, you know, when you look at that, and I think one of the reasons why we had success last year in, in Youngstown was because we had a good mix. We had a good mix of skill, but we also had grit and we had guys that could take over a game with, you know, just cycling pucks and playing in the offensive zone. And we weren't, you know, you get to a point where all this puck possession and playmaking and all that stuff's great, but you can't reinvent the game. Uh, at the end of the day, playoff hockey is playoff hockey. And it's going to be the guy that wins a battle, that wins a race, that blocks a shot, um, that puts his uh, himself on the line for the team. Um, and we had a good mix of that. And I think coming out of that year with the Sioux, um, you learn that, that you can't be one dimensional and there's different ways that you have to do things. And um, you have to have a mix of a team to win instead of, um, you know, all of the best players, you have to have the best team. Yeah, uh, for sure. I was going to actually move on to, you, you mentioned Youngstown and the uh, playoff experience with that. But before we get to that, uh, the USHL was, was packed with insane talent last year. I was just wondering, um, who are some of the guys on other teams in the USHL that you were like, holy crap, that guy's good, like seeing on the other side? Because it really was a talented year for the USHL. Yeah, I think our league, I think the one thing that our um, our league is doesn't get enough credit for is how good it is. Um, mm -hmm. I've coached in, in pretty much every league uh, you can imagine. And the USHL is the deepest junior league by far in the world. It's not even close. Um, you know, when you, when you get past the first lines of the, of the CHL and major junior, um, the depth falls off a cliff and that's their great leagues. The OHL was, I had the time of my life in the OHL. It was an unbelievable experience. I, I can never say anything negative about it. Um, but the, the main difference is the, the depth of our league and how hard people work and the defending in our league um, is second to none. And I think what you're seeing now is the higher end talent is starting to come to this league. Um, obviously, you know, you get lost sometimes watching a guy like Macklin Celebrini, um, you know, but there were, our league last year was star studded. I mean, you look at the, the guys that played on that world junior team that just won a gold medal. I mean, half of those guys were in our league. And I think, I think seeing those guys every night and, and how special they are, like they're obviously a, a talented group. They just won gold at world junior. So, um, you know, I think our league doesn't get nearly enough credit and there are some very, very good players in our league that are going to play professionally for a long time. Yeah. One question I had was like, what do you think the timeline is for expansion in the USHL? Because there's, I can imagine there's obviously plenty of kids on the coast who would love the chance to play tier one hockey. Um, 
in the U.S. where they just don't get a chance to play close to home like that. So I was. Yeah, yeah I I think the that's a question for that's a little over my head, but I, I do think our league will grow. Um, yeah. The timing of it, I'm not sure that we're living in a, a pretty interesting time right now in general with uh, a lot of things coming off of COVID and, yeah. um, you know, things like that. So, you know, I, I know that um, our league is, I know there are a lot of people that want to get into our league, owners, players, um, but I, you know, I think uh, all in due time, but our league's a great league. And I, I think you don't want to, you don't want to go too crazy one way or the other um, because we, what we have is pretty special, especially being um, such a small league um, and the markets are great. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm wondering the same type of thing that, that, that you're asking. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about the, um, the USHL playoff run that you guys had last year. You guys started off with Cedar Rapids and then uh, moved on to, Chicago versus Celebrini and Jack Harvey and those guys, like you mentioned, what was that process like for, for you guys last year? Uh, we were a young team last year. Um, we started two and seven out of the gate. Um, and then uh, obviously as we, as our guys kind of, it was, it was my first year, there was some getting used to things uh, both ways. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, we built throughout the year. Uh, we were playing our best hockey at the end. Our guys loved coming to the rink. We had unbelievable leadership with Shane Lachance and, um fouls and those guys and um you know it was just it was a team that is a it's a once in a million team um everyone loved each other and uh coming to the rink every day was was phenomenal and um you know obviously we we got through cedar rapids which we felt was going to be one of our biggest tests because of how hard they played um and how deep they were and um we uh you know playing chicago we we were kind of chomping at the bit um, we always felt like we were a good matchup for Chicago with how hard we played and how detailed and, and defensive uh, minded we were just from, a, you know, putting a, a, a premium on, on playing both ends of the rink. Um, they were kind of a high wire act that just wanted to play offense. So we knew we knew we had a good chance at Chicago. Um, obviously, uh, I liked the matchup there. And then Fargo, we didn't we didn't see them. And, and our our game plan was to really. We didn't talk or focus too much on Fargo. Um, when we got to Fargo, we worried about ourselves and didn't really inundate our players or our own minds with anything that they did because we felt that if we played our game and stuck to our structure that we'd have success. And we were able to obviously get the first two games in, in Fargo and coming back to mm -hmm. Youngstown in front of 7,000 people, we kind of had an idea what was going to happen. So it was good. Yeah, that, that seems incredibly special. I remember – uh, at that point, like watching it from, you know, our perspective as college hockey fans, um, we were like, you know, the talent coming up is is incredible. And that's something I just wanted to clarify. So in the USHL playoffs, is it best of three series for the first how many rounds and then it goes to five or is so, I just want to clarify? Yeah, they've changed it now. The first round is best of three and then the next three will be best of five. OK, yeah, no, I just wanted to straighten that out. But yeah. Um, Oh, Anthony, you got to ask the question about the 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 broadcast crew. Yeah, so I was watching this highlight video, and whenever you guys would like clinch a playoff series or something, he would say he would say goodbye in like all these different languages, and then and then that would kind of be it. He would he would just go crazy in like the I don't know if it's the radio or the broadcast, but yeah, that's Matt Lipsack, the voice of the Phantoms. He's a real oh, yeah. beauty and a true <laughs> legend. Uh, 
Yeah, Amita's in or something. I don't know what he does, but he's got that pretty pretty dialed. He's legit. Yeah, I was impressed with just like the commitment to his craft, like he was doing. Oh that. yeah, he's he loves it. He's great. We love Lipper. Uh, one of the other questions we have is, what sets apart coaching on like a USH level level compared to other ones that you've coached at? Say like when you were assistants with Sheldon or Mike yeah, Bancock. I think yeah, I think it's. Uh... You know, you have a young group of people. I think that's the biggest difference is you have to be patient. You have to allow your players to work through failures. Um, you have to handle the pressure with them. You have to try to be a, 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 a rock as far as, you know, what they're going through in their personal life. Um, these young athletes have more pressure on them than ever. And I think uh, a huge role of, of a coach in this level is um, helping them through that and being there for them and, and understanding that they're going to struggle and they're going to fail and um, trying your best to mitigate any confidence issues they have. And when you talk about pro hockey and things like that, um, it's basically managing people's egos and um, managing people. And, you know, you can, you just got to try to create the best culture you can and, and, you know, hope you have the the better team that gets off the bus. Um, whereas this level, it's a little bit more nurturing. It's a little bit more, I guess, uh, developmental. Um, mm -hmm. But, it, you know, that's kind of the biggest difference and just trying to keep these guys steady on their, on their goals and dreams and aspirations and, and hopefully uh, being able to, to, create habits and details within their game that they can carry on uh, from level to level. Yeah. One thing that I, it must be difficult is you have like all the talent in the world on one hand, but then you also have the pressure of someone playing in their draft year where they could potentially be labeled as, I don't know, a bust, whatever, but it's just, it's great to hear that your job is just kind of develop them in a way that makes them feel comfortable throughout the entire process rather than kind of, I know it sounds cliche, but just take it one day at a time, like you were saying. Yeah, and yeah. and that really is it. Like the roller coaster of emotions for these kids, um, it, it's it's crazy, right? All these lists that come out from people that really don't watch the games, like yeah, central, like you know, whatever, like central scouting. Like if a kid gets left off central scouting, you'd think it's the end of the world. But at the end of the day, um, you you just you have to, you have to manage them through this process. And I think, I think for me, um, you know, the, the one thing that everyone has to be reminded of is no one has the the golden book of how it's done in hockey, right? Like there's no single path that is the same for everybody. And you see guys that develop late after four years of college, you see guys like Max L Green is going to be the first overall pick. Like it is what it is. And um, I think you have to keep that in mind when you're, you know, when you're coaching these young athletes, especially as, as they get better and better, um, there's going to be different external pressures and different internal pressures. And they, um, you know, hopefully when, when our guys leave Youngstown, they're leaders and, uh, their peers can look up to them. And, you know, at the end of the day, we can, uh, they can contribute as leaders to their next organization. Yeah. Something that this kind of transitions a little bit well into that uh, Anthony and I and, you know, other people involved in media for BC always talk about Jacob Fowler's maturity. You, you know, you would think he was a 25 year old guy, you know, 
longtime girlfriend engaged like you know he's he's mature and i think that that's a really admirable thing um i was just wondering if you could speak a little we'll get more into specifics with with jacob but what his maturity was like and how that kind of unflackable poise that he has on and off the ice you know he can get 20 shots to the chest and it doesn't phase him so i was wondering if you could talk about that yeah jacob is a he's an interesting uh kid like he's he's probably the most normal goalie I've ever coached. Um, he is a unflappable human being. And I've got a good story for you. But the one thing about Jacob is he's a leader from the net out. So he always, always was the rock of the, like, hey, I got it. I got it. We're all good. It's all good. Like, he's just an unflappable human being. Regardless of what he goes through, the the the, the size of the game whether that be a bean pot championship, a NCAA championship, uh, a Clark Cup, a Stanley Cup, the 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 magnitude of the game is never going to affect him, and that's just how he is. That's just how he lives his life. He's even keel. Um, I remember when we went when we went to Chicago last year. Um, we won game one pretty handily. Game two, they beat us pretty good. Our only loss to the Clark Cup. And my wife was all upset. And we were, my family was living in Illinois at the time. And uh, I was in Youngstown and um, they've since moved here, but my wife was all upset. And Jacob walked up to my wife. I'll never forget it. And he goes, what the hell are you worried about? He goes, no <laughs> one's beaten us. No one's beaten us two more times. Like I'm not losing. I won't oh. lose another game in the, in the playoffs. Relax. And it was just so funny because he didn't, he didn't lose another game. And I don't think he lost till whenever the hell BC lost first. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's just one of those things that the kid just, he's just unflappable. He's an unbelievable teammate. He's an unbelievable human being. He's respectful. He works his ass off and he's a, he's the type of kid you want to go to war with. And I'll tell you what, like, I'm definitely a better coach for a coaching Jacob Fowler. Have you ever, oh yeah, and he made me look pretty good too. <laughs> have you ever made it out to um, the East Coast or to Mass for for a couple of games? Or yeah, I am from a Sonnet, Massachusetts. Oh, um, my wife's from Westford. Perfect. So we spend uh, we spend the month of July split between Newport, Rhode Island, and uh, Lyman, Maine, Swan Pond. Um, so very familiar with the East Coast. Grew up there my whole life. My mom's still there. My dad's there. Uh, all the in-laws are there. So we uh, we are very familiar with the East Coast. We also were wondering if you if you tuned into the the BCBU matchups this year, where the Chance versus Fowler, two of your former uh, players. I've wa- I've watched the last two. Um, you know, it's funny like. As you get older coaching, you know you're getting older when guys like Ryan Green and Shane Lachance and Vinny Borghese, like yeah. all you coach all these guys. I coached Vinny at U15 and uh Greeny was that year. He was on a, the U16 team. So it's it's funny to see them all. And you know, you you don't really you're not a fan anymore. You're a fan of the players and you want them all to have success. Unfortunately, someone's gotta lose. Um, but there were a few good text messages thrown around between uh, me, Files and Chancer and um, but no, it's, it's great to see those guys on the biggest stage. I, I've watched the last two BUBC games. Um, and, uh, you know, someone's got to win, someone's going to lose, but 
at the end of the day, it's unbelievable to see those guys having the success that they're having. And uh, quite honestly, from uh, our organization here, I couldn't be more proud to see him see him having success on that stage. So um, it's great for them. They deserve it. And they're all they're all wonderful kids, and human beings. We're going to move on to the quick fire section now. It's a tradition okay. that we have with all of our, our guests here. Starting off with the first question, who's got the best chirps on the team currently for the Youngstown Phantom? The best chirps on the team for the Youngstown Phantoms would be Adam Patilla. Any notable um, incidents this season in the USHL? Or and they, none they can't that be said on camera? Yeah, none <laughs> that are probably appropriate for this. <laughs> Who's got the best uh, style coming into to the rink every day? Charlie Serrato. Oh, the he played he played at the program last year, right? Yeah, yeah, he's got the best style. I, I hate to admit that. Yeah. <laughs> Who's got the best nickname on the team? Um, the best nickname would. I gotta think about this. Hold on. Um. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot. Like, there's a lot of good nicknames. I, I think Ryan Rusinski probably takes the cake on that one. He's he's got some beauty in him. But yeah, he's probably Rizzo. Yeah. What about the best golfer? Best golfer would have to go to either Brant Young, Colin Wynn, or. Who else can hit him pretty good? So I see you got the Tylus hat on right now. Yeah, probably Grant Young. Yeah. All of our guys get like golf memberships when they play here. So not yeah. they we have a course that it's great. It's beautiful. But yeah, they play a lot of golf. Probably Grant Young. Who's the messiest on the team? Who leaves their crap around? Um the messiest would have to be probably Jack Wilson. Yeah, junior. Who has the weirdest pregame routine? Does anyone have any crazy pregame routines? No, probably Grant Young's a little weird. He does some weird stuff, but we love him. <laughs> any weird uh, equipment alterations that you've seen in the locker room? Oh man, I don't, I don't really pay attention to that. But uh, no, no, not really. They're, our guys are pretty normal. Who's making you laugh the most? When you walk uh, in the ring, probably. I don't know. I laughed in a different manner. Probably like Adam Patel is hilarious. Um, Charlie's pretty funny. Kuzma Veronin's great because he's learning how to speak English. So we're, we always get a good laugh out of that. But yeah, everyone's pretty good. Uh, Oh, I guess I was going to ask who leaves before the bill comes, but this might be different because it's juniors. We're used to college where all the guys yeah. go and throw, throw it on one guy. Brandon Dennis always leaves. My assistant coach always leaves before the bill comes. I've, <laughs> I never met. I mean, yeah, he's got alligator arms. <laughs> uh, who's your favorite? Oh, yeah. Who's your favorite player you've coached in recent memory? Maybe maybe one we haven't talked about. Maybe a dark horse player who's been fun to coach. Um, I don't know. This year, Luke Osborne's been fun to coach just because he's he's got so much potential. I mean, 
I've been very fortunate to have guys like Shane, Shane Lachance is, you can't really talk about, he's the best, uh, best captain I've had. Um, I've been fortunate to have, you know, Barrett Hayton, Shane Lachance, Vinny Borghese, um, you know, those guys are just like legit. Um, so I really, it's tough to name one. I've been very fortunate. I've had probably the best group of kids you could ever ask for to coach in the last five, six years. Somebody's learned from the best Jack Barker's grandson. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Chancellor's a special human being. Uh, if you were to pick one, what would your goal song be in the, in the Cavelli center? Um, if I could pick one, it would be, uh, Oh, what's the name of this Spanish song? Que date, que, que date, like que that one. I like that a lot. <laughs> nice. That was that was a that was a niche I, one. I like. I need that. to look that up. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I don't. I think I'm probably the only one that will like it. So, what about a favorite road arena that you have? Favorite road rink. I love Green Bay. I think it's a great spot. Um, and uh, I I always like going to Muskegon. Um, their mm -hmm. fans are great. Um. But Green Bay is probably my favorite setup from just like a professionalism and how they, uh, you know, how they do things. It's a great rink, always a good crowd, always some uh, crazy Wisconsin people. So it's always a lot of fun. Well, what's your favorite opponent jersey? Opponent jersey. Um, probably we haven't played them yet, but I love Sioux City's jerseys. Yeah, those are nice. Those are very yeah. clean. What about the fa your favorite player of all time? In that I've coached or just uh, favorite just player? like in general, Cam Neely. Really? Okay. Yeah. Massachusetts guy would make yeah. sense. I loved watching Cam Neely play. And I can imagine your favorite NHL team would be the Bruins then. You know what? I, uh, I've got a Stanley cup ring with the blues. Um, oh, oh, right. Really? Yeah. We beat the, well, at the time they beat the Bruins and yeah, um, yeah. one of my best buddies is coaching St. Louis now. I, I don't have I don't have a favorite team. When you when you work in the game, you meet so many people that um, you just root for the people that you you worked with and that you love. And um, so it's really hard for me. Like I I was a stick boy when Patrice Bergeron was in Providence during the lockout. Um, so you, you just kind of you just kind of root for guys like that. And then kind of one last question here: a player that you would want to go back in time to coach. Player I would go back in time to coach. Um, you know, not to be with the Boston connection, but it would be so interesting to see how skilled Bobby Orr was, um, yeah. given like all these modern day defensemen and all the technology and everyone always debates all that stuff. But but to actually go back and see like how great Bobby Orr was would be special. To see kind of how he would have maybe yeah. dealt with some of those injuries, maybe right. had a, a longer career there. Right. Anyways. Thank you so much for your time today, Ryan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, so much. no, thanks for having me and good luck. And uh, I'm sure we'll all cross paths at some point. Yeah, best of luck in the rest of the season. Hopefully, you guys can go back to back. You know, we're rooting for you. So we'll be watching. Wow. I appreciate that. Have a